Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wine, Women, and Words. Oh, sorry. My big, my big girl pour. Um, I am Michelle, and with us this evening is Diana, and we are joined tonight by, with by uh, Jenny L. Walsh, author of Becoming Bonnie. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Good. Hi. Thank you for having me. Of course. I don't really know why I'm always the one starting this. I don't think I should always be the one in charge of introductions. You're it's like, you start it, you know when it's going live. You've got it covered. You're like our signature greeter. Yeah, but we could do like a signal, like I could, and you could take it away. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good with you, with what you're doing. So what's everybody drinking? Um, I'm still finishing my Stella Rosa from last week, which is actually surprisingly still good because I left it out overnight. Ooh. It's hearty. I'm powering through. I've got a you little, got some Cabernet or a lot of Cabernet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is it a favorite brand by chance or anything? Um, my husband's in charge of that. He just gets whatever is economical we get like the big bottle like the really big bottle yeah i grew up with the jugs so i totally understand that but good husband getting the wine for you and everything yes gas and wine that's that's jobs i haven't gotten my own gas in like eight years now wow <laughs> yeah, <I'm> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> my husband and i have such different schedules i don't even know if that would be feasible for us um but that's so sweet. You have such a sweet husband. His um, parents actually started that trend. And when we got oh. married, I was like, we're going to be doing that as well. And he's like, fine. FYI, that will continue. Yes, that will not be. But if we're together at the gas station, he'll get out and he'll pump it. But like, there's some times where I've, you know, because he works nights, I work days. Um, you know, I'm at the gas pump at like 6 a.m. when he's barely just got to sleep. So, you know. There's that. A little yeah. wrinkle. Yeah, there's no way I there's no way Rich could get gas from me all the time with with his crazy schedule. But I get to see him today. He's home. He works oh, crazy, crazy He the uh, commander. He's a recruit division commander um, at the <laughs> Navy boot camp. I don't, I guess they don't use drill instructor anymore. That's an outdated term. Oh. Oh, sorry. That's a marine term. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. You don't want to screw up the branches. That's like the biggest no-no. I was an army wife. I know this uh, from experience myself. You don't mess those up. Yeah, but so many people know, like, drill instructor. They know what that is. If I say he's a commander. That's like referring to a Star Wars character as a Star Trek character. You just don't do it. I'm still learning. There are a lot of acronyms and initials, and it's a lot more complicated. And as soon as I like master one thing, it changes. Yeah, I used to have a cheat sheet for myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the only one drinking white tonight. I am doing a Pinot Grigio, and it's a Corn Conte Priola as the brand, and I'm actually kind of in love with it. Um, it was, it's been really good, and like I've been doing pureed watermelon mixed with this. Ooh, that sounds good. A little bit of mint. Oh my god, it's so good. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's just because I've been doing the Pinot Grigio with it that I really like it, or if it's just the fact that I'm really in a Pinot Grigio mood. So. Well, when is when is it ever a bad time for Pinot Grigio? Yeah, no, there really isn't. Um, I bought, actually, I went out and specifically bought more of our favorite Dark Horse um, for tonight, thinking that our massive storm that I've that we survived two days ago would still be happening, but it was like 80 degrees out and sunny today, so kind of messed well, that's up. Well, this is to be prepared. For yeah, any storm or natural emergency, you need your wine, you need extra toilet paper, and you need extra canned goods. Well, I got wine, I got the big jar of Nutella, and I got chocolate chip cookies. So Those I'm good. You're good. Got the essentials. I like it. That's <laughs> like, the way we roll. Now I can get flooded. Before, not so much, but the kids have granola bars, I have Nutella, there's wine. As long as the internet doesn't go out, I'm okay. <laughs> like I said, just put some swimmers on them, you'd be fine. Right? It'll be a, we'll make a game of it. Yeah, totally. make like of the people whose homes were flooded. I'm not, not doing that. But you have to find the I would have to find the fun to not go crazy. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of going crazy, we do have some business to attend to. We do. What 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 business do we have to attend to? <laughs> we have to attend to the fact that for the second time in a row, you have completely how do I put it? Blown past me in the reading? It's so much fun. <laughs> Jenny, I am sorry to lay into her before the in front of you, but come on, seriously, Michelle. Last month, just to fill you in, Jenny. Last okay. month, with last month's book, she was like, so I'm not sure if I'm really feeling into it. I'm just I'm kind of getting not really into it. I'm kind of, you know, working with it. The next freaking day, I get a text going, so I may or may not be 40 pages away from finishing the book. <laughs> she found her groove. She did. She did. And then last week, we were talking. Did we say we were going to go up to chapter 20 in last week's episode? I, I, I actually think it was like 14, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like on 15 or 16, and I figured, okay, I'm going to read something else that I need to review, slow down, let her catch up to me. And on Saturday, two days later, I get a text from her going, I am so mad at the book right now. <laughs> and I was like, what, what happened? I'm like trying to think where she's at to be mad, where she could be mad at it. And I'm like, well, what chapter are you on? Her response, 26. That's the point that made me mad too. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am almost to that point. I'm actually getting mad myself. So now I can see why she got mad. But come on. I am. This is not the way your relationship operates, Michelle. I do not do well when you're ahead of me. Because then I have to know what's going to happen. I don't do well when I'm ahead of you either. Because then I have to wait. Like, I can't text you and be like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Like, I can't talk to you about what happens in Chapter 26 because you don't know yet. Jenny, you know. You know. about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. You're just gonna totally <laughs> cut you out. <laughs> and like, and that's when it starts. It starts in in 26, and then and it just it just gets worse. I mean, not not the story. The story is very good, but you. Story's good. And then 
then you cheer, but you're still angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, what are um, looking up to chapter twenty? Chapter twenty is where they've actually just finished the um, avoiding the assassination of Lincoln. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, that whole plot that they did because that was pretty elaborate. I actually, um, well, that whole plot, I, I loved that she included that in the story just because that was real. But I can't imagine being a woman by myself. Like, she transported him across from one train to another, and he, all anyone had to do was lean over and check on him to see if he was okay, to figure out who he was. And that would have been it. So I don't know how she did that because I do not have nerves of steel like she does. You know, that was daring. That um, assassination attempt and knowing that it was based in real life, that was like one of the reasons why I picked up the book. So I was like, that is awesome. I need to see how Greer brought it to life. So I feel like it was a combination of like the cover, which is gorgeous. Oh, and yeah. knowing that she foiled this assassination attempt on, on Lincoln, and I was like, yes, this book needs to be read. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. It really is a gorgeous cover. Um, I know Michelle and I have been having so much fun taking pictures of it on Instagram. Um, but, yeah, it's a, she's she has the prettiest covers. My yeah. Uh, Lie was a great cover as well. Yeah, I love that book. I read that one so fast as well. Mm-hmm. I read that like was a quarter of it, and I, I was just like, I had book ADD at when I was trying to read it, and I just, I was hopping from one book to another, just because I had all this free time, because I finished Dear Fang with Love, and I wasn't accustomed to having free time to, to, to read more, so, but I want to go back and finish it, because I, what I read, I really liked. And can we talk about how um, DeForest is absolutely adorable? Oh my god, I just love him. Why does he have to be gay? Because <laughs> <laughs> all the good ones are. They're either married or gay, don't you know the saying? Oh. I can totally picture one of my friends as him, and I have that picture in my head the entire time he was mentioned, <laughs> and it made it so much better. I kind of picture um, Val Kilmer from Tombstone as DeForest, mm -hmm. the, men the mental picture I have of him, but shorter. Where, yeah. where did the short come from? Was that mentioned? I don't know. It just, in my mind, he's short. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I have to get verification from Greer if he's short or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you weigh in? How tall is that <laughs> Well, and I also, I just... I just double checked um, where it was in the chapters, but so before chapter 20 is when she also brought Hattie on board. Mm -hmm. And what do we think of Hattie? At first, and, I didn't like her. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say. At first, I didn't like her. <laughs> yeah, I, when they did the whole um, Belle O'Leary impersonation and she like went off grid and improvised and it's like mm, honey no it's your first day like relax yeah it really it was what, like six days in it's like come on right like uh what, what's her name Kate didn't even 
do that her first job and she messed that one up too yeah I, I like Hattie kind of has, has grown on me especially since I think after that incident Hattie really learned to step back and learn from Kate and treat her like a mentor because you kind of see that later on in the chapters where they meet for lunch and they get to talk and I think she starts to come into her own using Kate as her role model yeah, and just wait until you get past chapter 26, and then <laughs> you'll get to see how. Well, I believe Michelle is finished with Girl in Disguise by now, aren't you? Oh, I know exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. um, but what did you think, just since we're talking about Hattie, what did you think of how Pinkerton handled the Hattie Mortensen situation? As far as Mortensen getting the boot? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that was well played. It made mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, Hattie, she's getting filled up. I would not be happy about it, but Mortensen needed to keep his cool. That's his job. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the differences between Hattie and Kate is that um, Hattie's seen as this, you know, very pretty girl, and had and Kate's seen as more plain. That's why she's able to blend in as much as she's able to. And because I don't think Mortensen would have stepped up to rescue Kate in any way, shape, or form. No, I think Kate would have handled herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she would have slapped that bitch. <laughs> exactly. And I think that Hattie needed the opportunity to be able to do so. And if you can't keep your shit together in the field, you can't be in the field. Exactly. Come on, Hattie. <laughs> right. Hattie and Mortensen. He's got to keep his shit together, too. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have to worry about it anymore because he got fired. That's true. But he could start his own detective agency in Kentucky. He could. Mm -hmm. Um. So who for our fantasy cast, who are we thinking for Hattie? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, what's the chick, the blonde's name from Gossip Girl? Oh, Blake uh, Lively. Blake Lively, yeah. Yes, Ooh. I like that. My husband is looking at me like we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we would have to recast um, Kate, though, because we had Anna, and Anna was kind of younger. So we might have to go with somebody a bit older for Kate. But I haven't been able to quite figure out who I would put for Kate. I see. Hmm. Older Kate. But for Bellamy, Chris Klein. I don't know who that is. Oh, hold on. Uh, from Star Trek, he was uh, Steve in Wonder Woman. I haven't seen Wonder Woman yet. I'm horrible. <laughs> Neither That's have I. Feel bad. <laughs> Hold on. So you two who have already finished the book, you guys can bond over not seeing Wonder Woman too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to plan a day. Oh, so last week I mentioned that I want to go to the cemetery where Pinkerton and Kate are buried because it's right by well not right by it's like 45 minute drive so i want to somehow combine that into book shopping wine drinking cemetery visiting wonder woman I'm gonna combine it into that one. is quite the day yeah because he's looking at me again weird <laughs> that's why um it's okay this is girl stuff we look at him when he talks sports stuff 
um, because the bookstore is 10 minutes away from the from the cemetery, so I can knock that out really easily and then just come back and go see Wonder Woman and then call it a day. I think that sounds great. Yeah. But yeah, if you look at Chris Klein, he's, he's Captain Kirk in the new Star, Star Trek movies. I'm looking up a picture of him right now to see if maybe I can... He kind of, he has the build that a picture for um, Bellamy, but more importantly, he's got the swagger. Mm. He can pull off, because Bellamy, when he wants to, he can have, he's got that swagger, he's, a he's got the tough guy thing going for him, because, you know, he's got to be a bit roughed up, he's got to be able to come off as a drunk, so he can't be too much of a pretty boy. Now, is there a difference between Chris... Klein and is there an are you sure it's Chris Klein? I am almost positive it's Chris Klein. Did you look up the are we IMDBing him right now? Is it Chris Pine? I know Chris yeah, Pine. You. Chris Pine. Okay. <laughs> Chris Klein is from American Pie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's I'm just gonna keep drinking. <laughs> Pine. Pine. Yeah, Chris Pine could definitely I be one. I should have pulled it up. Okay, Chris Pine. Yeah. Yes, Chris Pine this is. is Chris Pine. You yeah. see? Yes, that is Bellamy right there. Yes, see, that see? would be a good Bellamy. Yeah, <laughs> need to, producers need to uh, hire us for casting. We're perfect. I was just say, why can't people just bankroll our movies and make perfect movies out of books that we love? With paths that we handpick for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think uh, Girl in the Skies would make a great movie. I think so too. I think Claire would be a good older Kate. Claire? Claire. Outlander Claire. Oh, but she's really pretty though, too. Yeah. But she could do the plain thing, she could plain herself up. Yeah. But then, but then again, we find Outlander, Outlander can weave its way into any conversation. Pretty much. But yeah, I could totally see her though as Kate because I mean she's, you know, I would, I think, I don't know how old Kate is, but I would picture Kate at least in her 30s. So she's not a young thing really. So I think Claire would totally fit for that. And then that would work as a mentor to Blake Lively. There we go. Okay. It's all figured out. Mm -hmm. so by the time Greer comes on the show uh, in two weeks, we'll mm -hmm. have the entire cast. I think we have almost everyone. Pretty much. Um, you have Alan. Who's Pinkerton? Dean Thomas. Um, did you ever watch yeah. I Now I picture him so much. Once we got to Chapter 24, he played a, That's Where I'm At Right Now. He played such a huge role in that chapter that I'm like, oh, my God. I can only picture him, like him getting angry. Like I'm watching the show Claws right now, and he plays this really messed up character in it, but he gets really angry a lot. And I'm just picturing him, just, just when, especially when he's angry in that chapter. Just that's all I picture is just him now in that role. Nobody else can ever, ever be uh, Pinkerton. And I think the only other person that would be left is um, Rose. Rose, right? The Confederate spy. Hmm. If she, if she comes in, right? And, the, and who? Made the um, her best friend, the. the oh, woman. Mrs. Barowski. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
I'm a whole other test for her. Now she's older, right? Yeah. Is they never mentioned her husband, Rahab? Oh, they did. Oh, yeah, he passed away. Okay. So I don't know her. I, I picture like a, a Polish Mrs. Claus. <laughs> um, that's really good. I like that. Kind of picture that too. <laughs> Fine, she's Mrs. Claus. <laughs> Yeah, Mrs. Claus, that's the casting. Well, speaking of, you know, we've been talking so much about Kate. Um, we, I think it's time for us to change the dial just a little bit and talk about Bonnie. Because Jenny is the author of the uh, book Becoming Bonnie, and um, which obviously is about Bonnie from the infamous Bonnie and Clyde. Um, and one of the things I love about Becoming Bonnie is it's, it's the first part of her life. You're really taking the opportunity to really delve into who this girl was before she became, you know, Bonnie. Um, so explain a little bit of how you, why you ended up going that route instead of just clumping it all into one book. It was actually a complete accident that I wrote that book because I started writing the crime spree story. And while I was doing that, I started researching like who Bonnie was prior to the crime spree because I wanted to make sure that I was establishing, you know, the whole like characterization, making sure everything builds and everything. Now it's just so um, free by who Bonnie was. Like she doesn't seem like the person who's going to whip out a gun and shoot you. Mm -hmm. Like got straight A's and she was in spelling bees and she went to church and she sang at church so I wasn't like it wasn't like lining up for me like the girl before with the girl you know with Clyde so when I started to research it um these ideas started to come into my head and then I began writing the crime spree story and I got like three chapters in and I kind of had this moment where I was like this kind of sucks because I have so much backstory so people could understand that she was this good girl, but now she's not anymore. And I don't know. So I decided that like, okay, like I need to back up and like tell more of her story. And then I was like, I need to tell more of her story and then more of her story. And then before I knew it, I was like back in 1927 and she was in a speakeasy and I was like, okay, so this is a different book. Like this is her origin story. So this, it became like, Bonnie's story before Clyde, even though like the last, I think like a hundred or so pages are like her and Clyde together as they start their, their crazy life. But the story really evolved on its own and it kind of like took over. It was, it was fun to write. I want an accident like that. I want to accidentally write a book. Why can't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just, oops, I can't believe I did this today, honey. I know, I know the kids are a mess and the house is a mess, but I wrote this book on accident. It just happened. An accident that took like seven months. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just, um, before Dinah, before you came on, I was telling Jenny that I was kind of researching really quick about Bonnie just so I can hold a conversation about her. Um, and I was telling, I was telling Rich, you know, they were like 23 and 24 when they died and she was shot something like 30 something times. And I was like, talk about falling in love with the wrong guy. Like 
love makes you do stupid things. Well, I'm yeah. not, I'm wondering, and Jenny, you can, wait, I'd love your opinion on this, where I don't know if it was, it doesn't feel like it was necessarily love so much as it was, well, love played a role in it, obviously, but she reminds me of, like, in a modern sense, like, those girls who obsess with celebrities and wanting, just wanting to become, you know, and then becoming Bonnie, she's not necessarily wanting at that point to be a celebrity, but she's wanting to have a better life for herself. Um, and she comes from quite a bit of poverty, and she was reminding me that there was a Sofia Coppola movie, I want to say it was The Circle or The Ring, about the that group of girls who broke into celebrity houses. Oh, yeah, Emma was in that, right? Huh? Emma was in that, right? Yeah, yeah, she was. And they were just really obsessed with celebrities, and I feel like if, if Bonnie was a modern woman, you know, born during our time period, she would have been one of those girls. Of course, you know, she would have gotten a hold of Clyde and they would have been on a grander scale for the robberies, but I think she would have been obsessed with celebrity. Yeah, so I, when I, like, hadn't seen the film in, like, nearly 20 years, but I recently just rewatched it because I finished writing the second book, which is the Crime Spree book. So I was like, now I can finally like watch the film just to like make sure like my story is not too close because I don't want to make it seem like I was copying, even though like we have a lot of the same events because it's based on on reality. Mm -hmm. um, film very, very much paints Bonnie as someone who is motivated by fame and she wants to be in the motion pictures and she, she wants her like, she wants the limelight. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that might be true in real life, I mean, I, I think a lot of that's true, but I was reading a lot of like diary entries from Bonnie's little sister, Billy, and then I was reading like Blanche's memoir, Blanche's Clyde's brother's wife. And I think it really paints Bonnie and Clyde as in love and just this total devotion toward each, toward each other. So I feel like I, in my story, I have like this balance of like Bonnie, like wanting fame, but then also just wanting to do whatever she has to do to like be there for Clyde. Mm -hmm. so, at least it makes her more complex. <laughs> yeah, she is a really complex character and I think that's one of the things your book your book does justice for her is that she's um, the narrative on her up until really recently between your book and then there was also that television made for TV movie. I think your book did a little better job of um, portraying her as a complex person. Uh, because outside of that, she's just been this two-dimensional fame hound who was just as bad as Clyde. Yeah, and it's interesting. In real life, Bonnie doesn't really do anything. Like, she shot at a couple people, but she never killed anybody. It was, like, totally Clyde and his posse of, of dudes. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that people think that Bonnie was out there, you know, people down, but she really wasn't. Not that it makes what she was doing any better, but she was an accomplice to everything. But I at least took a little bit of, I felt better about writing a story about her knowing that she didn't kill anybody. <laughs> I wonder if part of it was because, um, you know, that in the 1920s is really a time period where you start to see um, modern America begin to form. And she was breaking those molds of what women were supposed to be. 
you still had that idea, the ideal of the women supposing that are supposed to be meek um, and whatnot. And she's not, she's out there with them, posing in pictures with them and not doing the things that a woman of the 1920s is supposed to do. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And then during that time period of the 1920s, 1930s, that's when photographs could be sent via telegram. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, that the, those photographs of Bonnie that are so iconic, they're like everywhere. And she's mm -hmm. holding guns and has a cigar in her mouth. And people are just like, who is this chick? Like, she's like bad news. Mm -hmm. So she really made a name for herself like really fast. And Bonnie and Clyde, I saw from like different anecdotes, they actually, I guess, joked isn't quite the right word, but they, they spoke lightly about how Bonnie was probably going to be like the first woman in history to ever get the electric chair. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah, that is. I could just imagine that being, you know, my husband and I joke about things like housekeeping and, and whatnot. Um, <laughs> I can only imagine, you know, that joke of, you know, hey, you're probably going to get the electric chair. Yeah. When I was reading Blanche's memoir, there was one moment where she was talking about how they just found anything that they could laugh and like joke about. So they like often just like went off about like horrible things because that's all they had. And that's, and that goes to a lot too, like the, the gallows humor where you know you're not going to make it through something. Mm -hmm. um, right? Like you see the like soldiers will do it. Um, my husband's told stories where, um, it was really awkward and it was really bad because it was right after they had gotten back from a deployment and I guess they're, I think they were getting ready for another deployment or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And a chaplain was in there talking to them about stress prevention and how to relax and, and whatnot. And this, mind you, this, these are guys who just came back from Afghanistan, like within like months. And he's like, you know, go, and the chaplain was like, go somewhere and relax, take, you know, relieve your stress. And one of his soldiers was like, yeah, like go out into the orchard. And the chaplain was like, yeah, go out into the orchard. Exactly it. Well, what the chaplain didn't know was that in Afghanistan, the orchard was where the guys would go to commit suicide. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so all of the soldiers found this absolutely hilarious. And even more hilarious, where the chaplain was like, yeah, yeah, the orchard sounds like a wonderful place to go. Go ahead and go to the orchard. So, <laughs> so soldiers look at that too. And, and I've talked to my husband about this for research for, for books. Um, and when, it, when we talked about this concept where if you feel like you're not going to be a part of something, especially within society itself, you, you make jokes and you prepare yourself to not be a part of it. Um, and it sounds like those jokes that Bonnie and Clyde were making was they kind of, I think on a level, they probably knew their days were numbered, so they were preparing themselves. Yeah, Bonnie actually, I think it was about a month prior to the their final um, run-in with a bunch of guns. Um, he wrote her poetry about their story, like the story of Bonnie and Clyde, and the very last line is how like it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. So she wrote that literally a month before they died. So she knew it was coming and it's just a matter of time until they were caught. I don't even know how you could be 
that young. I mean, when I was 23 years old, I, I wasn't, I mean, I certainly wasn't thinking about robbing banks and, you know, going down and a blazing gun down, a showdown with cops. But how, how can you be 23 years old and know and accept the fact that what, whenever this ends, it's not going to end, you know, you're not going to have a happy ending, you're not going to live happily ever after, you're going to die. That's how your story is going to end. And and just be okay with that. Yeah, I try to in the book that without what Bonnie is working toward, the whole novel, if she can't get it's kind of just like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. So, that was like a hard thing to build, just to, like, to make that believable for like the reader that's like, if I can't have that, I don't want anything. But, and Clyde is very adamant, even in real life, of saying that, like, he will never go back to prison. And there's one moment in real life where Bonnie and Clyde actually make a suicide pact. And, like, she has, like, a pistol to her head. They had some pretty intense stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a very intense, intense world, intense love affair. Um, and I had heard some that Clyde went through some some rough times and was prison raped too. So, I mean, I don't blame him for not wanting to go back. Yeah, he actually cut off two of his toes so that he could like get switched to a different detail within the prison. Wow. I mean, that's dedication. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, yeah, um, so far in our prison system, but yet still have so much farther to go. Um, I'm a fan of Orange is a New Black, and so, I mean, you hear this story of what he went through in dealing with it compared to what we have going on in our modern times, and that's, you know, it's craziness. And didn't she, she smuggled in a gun to break him out of prison at one point, right? Early, early in their relationship. Yeah, she was 19 at the time she did that. She brought a gun, and then he, uh, he was able to get out. I see. I wouldn't have the balls to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I could. Well, maybe. It depends. No, I. <laughs> I was sitting there actually thinking about it. See, you would be that of wine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, when it's great because I mean, where you know where the um, becoming bunny leaves off, it's it's almost a cliffhanger because it's like. I'm really looking forward to the second book because I, you know, I'm seeing her, her, her downfall really, her slow, um, slow degradation from being mm-hmm. an upstanding citizen down into the, you know, world of crime. So I'm really fascinating, fa- going to be fascinated and excited to see her just wallowing around in it. Um, yeah, she's going to wallow quite a bit. <laughs> yes, it's really. It's, I was, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was talking to my editor about it and I was like, some of the stuff almost seems fake, like what they go through because if they're on the run for 27 months, which is a pretty long time because people got caught pretty fast back then within like a matter of like weeks. And it was like one thing after one obstacle after another that they went through. I don't want to like, you know, give too much away. I'm sure if you went on Wikipedia, you'd see everything that happened to them. But there's one point where I was writing where I was like, oh my God, I have to do another scene where like they're bloody messes. I'm like, this is intense. I'm like, 
can't they have like a night in a normal bed? Like, come on. <laughs> the first draft that I did for my book um, that I'm still working on, um, it was, I had that same kind of feeling where I was just like, this stuff, nobody is going to believe the stuff that this woman did. Um, you know, where she was a child and riding horses and she, at one point, um, she managed to cause such a dis destruction of her village because a guy had assaulted her um, and he left his uh, oxen tied to a tree that was, you know, half dead. And so she scared the oxen and had the oxen, you know, just tear out the tree and just go through the town, the village of the town and like practically destroying it. And the girl was barely 12 at the time when that happened. And, you know, and I progresses as she gets older, and I'm like, nobody's going to believe this stuff. A lot of it is based in the history, but I'm like, nobody's going to believe this. It's it's one of those cases where, you know, history is so much more interesting than fiction, and that's why I love historical fiction, because we get to fill in those details of those really cool events that are really interesting. Yeah, that's the main reason why I enjoy writing historical fiction is, you just you know take these little pieces and then you fill in the rest especially with like bonnie's origin story like there really isn't a lot known about her past i actually have like some people like on goodreads leave comments like this isn't historically accurate and i'm like okay you go out there and you give me the facts and i'll work it in because i wasn't able to find them like everything historically accurate i could find like i included in the book and then wherever I needed to, I just filled in the rest, but I had to fill in a lot because it just wasn't documented. So mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun with it. And That's always a fun part. And, yeah, and I do think you were quite historically accurate because I am one of those people, once I start reading a book, I will go ahead and Google it and Wikipedia mm -hmm. the person. And, and I Wikipedia um, Bonnie afterwards and I read everything about Bonnie on Wikipedia and I was like, all right, you were quite accurate with, with her story, so kudos to you for the research on that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so now, okay, I've got a question for you guys, and Jenny, you might be biased in this, but you can play along. Okay, Kate versus Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like Kate more because I feel like Kate had like genuine conviction and well, she had like the liking, but I'm just saying if either Wait, Bonnie me? was in Kate's time or Kate was in Bonnie's time, do you think that Bonnie would have been a match for Kate? I kind of think Kate would have handled her. I, I feel like Kate would have dressed her down and then stepped in and taken care of everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think if, if she caught her alone, I don't, I mean, I haven't read the book, so I don't know. But just from, from our discussion, I, I think Kate would handle her by herself. But if it was Bonnie and Clyde, she would need, like, DeForest and Bellamy and Pinkerton. <laughs> The entire agency. Yeah. Although Blanche, who is Bonnie's best friend in the book, I feel like Blanche and Kate could go head to head in like some wit and some snark. Mm. It was really fun. Yes. To read. 
Yeah, Blanche was a lot of fun in becoming Bonnie. That that yeah was Blanche was her best friend. Blanche was was there right for that first half. Okay, I'm thinking of the right person. Okay, I hate when I do that when I'm thinking of one part, one character and it ends up being another character. Um, but yeah, I I really liked her character in becoming Bonnie. She was a lot of fun. Like I, that was the character that I could picture myself in, um, in the book. Not so much the. Not so much Bonnie. I almost said keep there. Uh, not so much Bonnie, but definitely for Blanche. I could see myself in that. Yeah, the little trouble maker. Oh, I was just, I had a question and I was thinking about it. Oh, um, so what I wanted to say before when you started talking about, you know, uh, Bonnie's downfall, I think it's really interesting in your book since you're writing about you know, a thief and a criminal and she dies at the end, usually stories go the opposite way. Usually they build up towards, you know, achievement or success or happy ending, and this one goes in the opposite direction. And it kind of makes me want to read more books about these bad guys, basically, because <laughs> You know, it's like it's like Once Upon a Time, the the TV show. You you get all the backstory that you never knew about these villains, and it fills in all these questions of like how they got the way they are. And that's I think what makes those types of stories so interesting is you learn about the person before they were. You know, before she was Bonnie, she was just Bonnie, and. Yeah. It's interesting learning about who they were before they became infamous. Well, anybody who knows me knows I love villains. Like Michelle, to the point where it's, uh, she and I have talked, and it's almost like a mental illness. Where we watched what was the first two seasons of um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or the first few seasons, and the guy was a good guy through the whole first season. Didn't care anything about him, but then he became a bad guy, and I was like, you know what? He's kind of cute. And Michelle's oh. like, I was so mad when he turned bad. I liked him so much. And you see, I liked him. I didn't like him until he turned bad. Until he became a villain, I had no interest in him. I did not like his character at all. So this is probably why I like Bonnie and Clyde so much. Yeah, I um, I feel like it's so far from like our reality that it's almost fun to like pretend. Mm -hmm. But when I was writing the story, since it's based on, like, real people and, like, unfortunately real people died, I almost had to, like, distance myself from the fact that it was true life because then I would start thinking about the victims and their families. And I would, I don't think I could finish this story. I just feel too bad. And he was like, <laughs> um, we already spent your advance. You need to finish the story. <laughs> I was like, Let me pretend it's not real again. Let me just pretend I'm writing about like some random villain. <laughs> you have to remind yourself, like with mine, like there was a character in my book that I had to kill off and that I really, really liked. Um, and I just had to keep reminding myself that this was almost this was 150 years ago. So even if he lived, he would have died by now. He would not still be alive. <laughs> this is one of the things I keep in mind. So, you know, maybe that could help you too with some of the stuff. Because, I mean, I think they would be on the verge. If they still lived, they probably would have died by now of natural causes or gotten very close to it. Yeah. I feel like with 
Clyde especially, I found these little moments and anecdotes and letters and stuff where he shows true humanity, where he actually apologized one time after killing a police officer. Like he legit felt bad about it and he apologized. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for doing that in real life. Cause now I can put it in the book and people are still probably not going to like you fully, but at least for that one glimmer of time, they might be like, Oh, okay. Like he's not horrible. So I like really like held on to those moments and like Clyde in real life. Um, in the research I found at least this code where like he didn't shoot first. And he had no choice. And I was mm. like, good. Thank you. At least you're not just running out in the streets and like shooting, you know, like a madman. Like you're shooting to like stay alive. I mean, it really doesn't make it that much better, but in my mind, I'm like, yes. It does. It does make things a lot better. Um, Well, like I feel like in Becoming Bonnie, you know, we're just towards the end of the book, we're just starting to get used to, just starting to get getting to know Clyde. Um, If I could actually get the phrase out of my mouth. Um, But, and I'm really looking forward to getting to know him in the second book. And, you know, seeing that human side of him is going to be so great. I'm really looking forward to it because that's one of the reasons why I love villains is because villains always have the better stories. Mm -hmm. They have the different drives. I mean, look at what's driving Bonnie and Clyde and, you know, it's always so much more interesting. So do you have a title for the second book yet, by chance? It started being Bonnie because, you know, becoming Bonnie, being Bonnie. Mm -hmm. But I think we're just going to call it Bonnie and just Bonnie's going to own it. Nice. Although like there is becoming, well, the second book will be able to stand like completely on its own, which is nice Mm -hmm. if people could pick up both or they could pick up just the second one. Um, Hopefully both, but yeah, so it'll. Yes, hopefully both. I think everybody on that, when does the second one come out? Um, next May or June. We don't have a, we don't have a firm date yet. Okay. So we'll have to have you back on at least by then. Cause we'll probably have you, you, you're more than welcome to come back and pop up anytime you want. Yeah, this is fun. Uh, I have more wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we'll have wonderful discussions. And I think in May or June, when Bonnie actually comes out, we're going to have to have you back on the show and probably make it a book of the month because I'm really looking forward to it. That would be fun. Well, it happens to be our second birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good timing. I think it is, yeah. We could, you know, make Bonnie like our spokesperson for our second year. <laughs> Start it out with Bonnie. <laughs> we could have this theme just running throughout the year of uh, girls behaving badly and outside of the norm. The next, like, bad girl, I guess, if we're calling them that, that I want to read about is Rose from Girl in Disguise. I have, I want to learn more about her and what she did because, like, that's some shady stuff that she did. Yeah, it's okay. Somebody needs to write a book about her because this is the second time she's popped up in a book. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, that's right. Karen Abbott, I think her name is. Um, there's a book. It's nonfiction, but it's it read. It's like narrative nonfiction, so it reads like a novel. Okay. It's super, super good, and it includes um, Rose and then Belle Boyd. Okay. And oh, I think 
I ran into a woman at a, a fair and she was reading it and she said it's about like four four, yeah. Spies or soldier like, um, spy something or else. It's it's really, really, really good. I'm pretty sure it's Karen Abbott. Yeah, I think Aaron Lindsay McKay for I Shall Be Near to You, she wrote that. I think she used part of that for her um, research. Because Rose comes up in that. And then she comes up in Girl in the Skies. And I think maybe this should be Burr's next book. I think Rose is a fictionalized account because I'm horrible when it comes to nonfiction, to be quite honest. I mean, I do estate planning during the day, so I have to write and read nonfiction law all day long. And the last thing I want to do is pick up nonfiction when I get home. So it's like work for me to read nonfiction. Which is um, so sad because history is so interesting. That's why I like historical fiction. I get I to know. learn something and I get the fiction fun of it. So now I, I feel so, like Bonnie. I feel so connected to Bonnie and to Kate. I'm like, oh, I know all this interesting stuff because I read Jenny's book and then Greer's book. I, I think there should be an option for historical fiction writers to print their novels with like little like highlights or asterisks in the novel just to say like, this is true. This part really happened. So you know, like, oh my gosh, that part is true. Like the in um, I Shall Be Near to You when the guy carved a ring out of human bone and sent it back to the girl, like that was true and that's disgusting. <laughs> but what a love token, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> the annotation idea is awesome, but then I'm like the author in me is like, oh my god, that sounds like so much work. Right? Yeah, I'm thinking about my book, and when it's finally published, I could just imagine how much annotation it would be. Like, it would be all over the place. Yeah, and then, that sounds. I'll do it. I'll do it for you guys. That's research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do it, Michelle. I would have so much fun like doing that. For historical fiction. <laughs> <laughs> there, that is a niche market right there that no one has tapped into. You, you get on it. You, you carry on with your bad self with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just well, stop sleeping so entirely. Because we're almost at the hour. I can't believe it. It went by way too fast. We had way too much fun. Um, we do have a wonderful announcement for everybody who's listening, uh, watching, um, or whatever, we have partnered up with the wonderful people of the California Wine Club. And for those of you who, <laughs> I know, it's, it's so exciting. I'm so excited to share it with everybody. Um, they do, they have a wine club. Their club itself starts at, like, you could do $40 a month um, or $40 every other month um, for two bottles of wine and you can specify which wines you want to which i already checked that out you could do red and white or what double white or double red and you could put in the instructions i don't want a specific type because i had to make sure to check on that because i despise moscato um to the point where i feel like it should be burned from the earth <laughs> <laughs> so um i can make sure that they never ever ever send me moscato but because um you wonderful listeners and watchers out there and even you jenny for a guest and everything, um, you can use the promo code www.podcast and you get 10% off any wine, club subscription, or gift. 
So if you've got birthdays coming up and you want to do something interesting for someone, um, you could do the, a little bit of a uh, subscription um, for a wine club for them because everybody likes wine. Even yeah, if they that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like we're a real podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah, you can get 10% off, and um, I'll have – make sure the we'll make sure the codes are posted on – um, all of our social media stuff and we'll be promoting it a lot more, but I'm like really excited to share with everybody. Yay. <laughs> oh my gosh, just once I would love to not look like I'm exhausted this show. Like I hope everyone I hope people listen more than watch. One day can we do it on a Saturday morning? I'm okay with that. So like that looks <laughs> Hey, it is midnight for me, so. That's oh, right, you're East Coast, aren't you? Yes. So you feel my pain. Yeah. And you have you have a little girl, right? I have a little boy and a little girl. That's and what I have too. So yeah, I can I can understand the tiredness. Well, look, my our son like legitimately just today he turns two in October, and today was the first day that. I think the terrible twos actually started for the first time. We could we could have our own wine chat about that. My son turns two <laughs> in December. I feel like, yeah, I'm gonna take a sip as well. <laughs> I'm gonna do a sympathy pour and sip because I don't have the kids yet. I just have the dogs. Hey, dogs um, can work too. Yes, yeah. Oh, let so me tell you what my dog did really quick before we. <laughs> And for those of you watching and listening, um, this is the after hours of wine, women, and women. Start <laughs> complaining about all the things our kids and dogs do. So <laughs> one. All right. So, just so you know, Jenny, I have we have an eleven-month-old husky. Um, super smart, super hysterical, and I love him despite myself sometimes. Um, <laughs> But he likes to eat things when he's home by myself, by himself. And he has already eaten out his way out of a crate and has worked on destroying his second one, so we don't bother crating him anymore. Um, today, he... And you got metal crates for him, didn't you? Yeah, he breaks out. I don't know how he does it. He <laughs> breaks out of them. He seems five from his life. <laughs> <laughs> So today he ate the case of my tablet, like somehow managed to get the tablet out of it or chewed around it or so. So the tablet is fine and it still works, but he ate the case and he knocked over a glass of water on my bookshelf, an entire row of books. Oh no. And it's drying out on my coffee table right now. And this he's one. lucky. He's lucky it wasn't my shelf of unread books. Just let's just say it. <laughs> he's lucky he's still alive. This one here has an affinity for turtle poop. Turtle, turtle poop. That's so random. Yeah, I have a. We have an African sulcata tortoise, and he's about 20, 25 pounds now. What? That's I remember when he was like this. Yeah, he's like. Like around, he's uh, to get in the. I, I can't even. He's he's about as wide as my laptop now, 
Um, I have to have two hands to pick him up. Um, so he's, where do you, he's, where does he live? Is he in your house? He's in the backyard. The backyard is his. Just walks around, does his thing? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. He has a, we have a shed for him. That's his house. Um, That's he has, so cool. yeah, he has a path that he likes to walk every day specifically. So I'll come home sometimes and my patio furniture will be moved because it will be in his way. Um, <laughs> if he gets angry, um, or hungry, and I have not fed him. He will knock over my plants. And my little dog has taken to grab grabbing the poop when we're not home. And tearing it up on the stairs landing. She doesn't eat it. She just tears it apart. And she just leaves this massive mess for us to clean up. And it's like, ah. Which is particularly embarrassing when my father-in-law came by the house. And I was still in the middle of cleaning stuff. And I hadn't gotten to that yet on the to-do list. It was it was like fifth or sixth on the to-do list because I had other things I really wanted to get done. I was like, all right, I'll get this. It's fifth on here. And he comes by at like number four. I'm like, oh. Maybe you should move the poop to number one. Yeah, yeah. Next time I should. <laughs> well, at least I don't have to worry about that. I have to worry about other things. But no turtle poop. That is so random. Do you have, is your yard like fenced in or does the turtle yeah. just not leave? Okay. Yeah. I'm like really trying to visualize this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fenced in. So I have like one half that's all like just fenced in. Um, cement on one side, um, a hard, uh, a standard fence on, on the other side, like in this nice square. And then the other side of um, the metal fence, we have a pool. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we he's a tortoise, so he's desert tortoise. So if he gets in the pool, he's dead, basically. And so we have to make sure to keep the fence like closed between the two sides. Because uh, one day I came home and went and did the dishes and, oh, tortoise, I like saw something moved like towards like the back corner of the backyard. And he poked his head out from behind a planter on the pool side. We have no clue how he got through and how he got there because there was, there was the ground here and then there's a lip here, like about that high. And he had to get over that to get into the back corner to get to that planter. And do that without falling in the pool. It was determined. Yeah. Little Houdini turtle. Right? So, yeah, I feel your pain, Michelle, when it comes to the dog. <laughs> and I'm just happy that I have small dogs because big dogs create big messes. I wanted a dachshund and we got a husky. <laughs> But the one day that he that we came home and my book was literally eaten, like there was no salvaging it. There was like, like picture this much of the book, like gone. Not not a few pages, like all of it. The cover was eaten, and I I picked it up and I walked over to him and I put it in his face and I said, "What did you do?" And his face. <laughs> he was like praying to every doggy god that he knew because he knew that he was gonna die and <laughs> the look on his face was so funny i had i had to laugh at him because i've i've never seen a dog looked look so guilty mm -hmm. he has not eaten a book since then you scared him straight mm -hmm. yeah He's eating the kids' books, and I'm. This probably makes me a terrible mother. 
but I don't get as mad about the kids' <laughs> books as I do about my books. <laughs> the kids take everything from us anyway. We have very few things for ourselves. Those are, yeah, they're mine. And I can, like, those books, I can, I have, you know, the nice books that I want to save forever. I have those away. So he's not going to get the nice books. Mm -hmm. But, like, don't eat my books. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only thing. Like, eat anything else. Not really, don't eat anything else. The husband's shoes. He doesn't go for shoes. Like, I mean, thank God, because I, I forget to put my shoes away. But he has not eaten a single pair of shoes. He's eaten other gross things that dogs should definitely not eat. But Dogs are gross. I mean, at least kids are, like, cute when they make their messes. Dogs are gross. Not always. Yeah. <laughs> I was down on my hands and knees cleaning up a mess today, and then all of a sudden I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old on my back, and I'm just like, what is happening? Like, I'm <laughs> get off of me. <laughs> That's the exact ages that I have. I have my daughter is three, and my son is one and a half. And, to, God, he does, he started doing this weird, like, you know the worm, the dance move, the worm? He started doing this weird worm thing at the library where he would just, like, lift hoist himself off the ground and slam himself face down on the floor in a tantrum and I'm just watching him like really well we're doing this okay you let me know when you're done because i'm gonna <laughs> tell me i don't know you that's exactly what i do i like will take a couple steps away to distance myself like that is not my child and i just wait until it ends and then i like soup back in Right? Like, I don't know. Someone needs to get their kid in check because yeah, I don't know whose kid that is, but. <laughs> well, we have definitely reached our hour now. <laughs> Even though I know we could probably talk about dogs and kids and wine and books for another hour. Mm -hmm. But thank you so much for joining us, uh, Jenny. I'm really excited about reading your book now. Um, I have to add it to the list. So I'm really excited and really glad that I only have a year to wait for the next one. Yeah, less than a year now at this point. But yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. And Diana, who is um, coming next week? Stacy is her name and she is on Instagram. And let me get her account here because I don't have it off the top of my head, which I should. It's uh, and, and something. Um, <laughs> uh it is because i know she mentioned us earlier um pros and uh, palette yes so it's pros underscore and underscore palette and so she's a, a fellow bookstagrammer and uh she's coming on uh next week because uh she's also a children's literacy advocate so we are going to talk uh books she's also a fan of greer and um she's right both she's reading girl in disguise so maybe she'll actually be at the same point that i am um, i'm really waiting for that out outrage text message when you that has happened to us Jen, jenny that we're at like six o'clock or see since she's at two hour time difference from me now i will wake up at seven o'clock in the morning or earlier i should say um because technically I should be up earlier um, 
and I get these early morning text messages from her at like three, four o'clock in the morning, my time, going, oh my God, I can't believe this happened in this book. Why didn't you warn me about this? And I'm so mad at this character. And my husband wonders why I leave my phone on silent. This is why. <laughs> well, I know Jenny's tired. I'm tired. Yes. Um. But thank you so much. I I always have so much fun on Thursdays. I love Thursday nights. <laughs> <laughs> so close to the weekend. Definitely. Yes. All right. Well, have a good night, everyone. Come back next week and keep reading yes. Girl in Disguise. Yes. Bye. Bye. <laughs>